I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi and welcome to the Uncontestables podcast. In this episode we'll be talking about the trench event. So this year we had a trench event in Kent in early September and there was an earlier one which was just the year before as well. So Steve, who was co-organising it with Pete Neal, and will talk uh, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so the the event came about. It was, well, it was a brainchild of both myself and Pete. So we always we've always had this kind of burning desire as living historians to really sort of push the boundaries for events. We're not sort of content with just going to the standard kind of you know like we've talked about railway events and you know just this typical run of the mill events. You know, you don't really get that much out of it as living historians. They're good fun. You get to meet a lot of people and, and all that sort of stuff, but you don't really get that kind of educational angle on it as much as you kind of strive for, you know, being living historians. So we kind of thought, well, what can we do to take our sort of living history sort of career, if you will, to a new level? And we thought, well, we're doing a lot of World War One stuff. So why don't we look at, at sort of spending 48 hours living in a trench? And we thought, yeah, okay, it's going to be quite interesting. I wonder if anyone would actually be up for it because, you know, you kind of live in like tramps for the weekend, really, just sort of, you know, bedding down on the floor and just eating, you know, pretty basic food, uh, exposed to the elements, et cetera, carrying your whole world on your back. And uh, th- this kind of came into the development sort of stages in sort of late 2019. And our first event was planned uh, typically for uh, March 2020, uh, late March. And it was the same week that uh, we went into covid lockdown um which really did throw a spanner in the works so we didn't get to do the first event which was at park hall um over near oswest street quite a nice little trench uh, system no german trench but still it served us well uh, for the very first event so we had no section five higher for that it was just uh, a british element in the trench uh, living authentically for 48 hours eating the same sort of you know foods as the original guys did etc and we portrayed the uh, North Staff's Territorial Battalion of uh, 1915, as I would have appeared at Lewes, um, when I, just before they attacked the Hohenzollern Redoubt. So it's a real interesting kind of scenario for us to um, sort of get stuck in. So we ended up having about 20 guys, 20 to 25 guys taking part. It was a really interesting event. It went ahead in October of 2020, uh, the tail end of October. Uh, weather wasn't that kind, but it was a real... Um, sort of grounding for us it gave us a bit of a springboard to move forward to the 2021 trench event so on the back of that event we thought well you know that was a really good event but what can we do to make it better so we kind of decided well we ought to have some form of enemy presence so that meant we had to have a German trench so the venue at Parkall was no good to us so we had to start scratching around for another venue uh, 
coupled in with that as well, we thought, well, if we're going to take it to the next level, um, you know, being one step removed from actually using live ammunition and live artillery, which, you know, obviously we're not, we're not going to do that. We thought, well, the closest we could get is to uh, get ourselves a Section 5 armoury. So we got ourselves a fantastic venue down in Kent, uh, which is called Hawthorne Trench. So we went and visited it and we were really blown away by the venue because it's um, <laughs> most, the easiest way to say it is most sort of replica trench systems in the UK are what I would call and say disability friendly. Uh, so you can get a wheelchair around them, you know, and it's great that, you know, obviously people can, you know, go and look around these sort of things and get a real uh, sort of, uh, you know, boots on the ground sort of view of, you know, what it would have been like to be in a, in a trench. But we thought, well, you know, this wouldn't be suitable for what we're trying to achieve of like, you know, an actual authentic uh, trench system and living in it for 48 hours. But we went to this Hawthorne trench in Kent. We've seen photos. It looked great. You know, nearly four hours journey down there. We thought, well, we'll give it a go. And what an amazing venue it is. The, the lad who's um, you know, sort of built the trench system, he's done it faithfully uh, to an original section of the front line from 1916. And uh, it's just wide enough to kind of get one guy through with all his kit on through the actual trench. So you've, it's very much a case if you have to have a one-way system. It's got the fire bays. And uh, you know, most importantly for us, it had the uh, German section of line as well. And obviously a no-man's land in between. So it was absolutely perfect for us. And me and Pete, we really felt that this would be the uh, venue for the 2021 uh, trench event. And yeah, he went ahead in early September and uh, it took a lot of planning. It was uh, definitely worth all the sort of um, toil to put it together. Uh, obviously, Jake, you were there. You didn't know anything about uh, the event uh, other than just where it was and when it was happening. You didn't know much about like the sort of scenario, what was going to happen. Um, so what, what did you think of it in the lead up to the event? What was your kind of like making of it? Because I know you've been part of like Monty's men and so forth. So what was it like for just an ordinary sort of layman coming, coming to the event? Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy really because obviously you've explained how um, I met Steve, etc. and how I got involved with eventually being attending this event really in previous podcasts. But um, yeah, it was, it was quite, quite astounding really so the, the lead up to it all the preparation we were being fed little bits of information and um uh kind of lucky for me really because i was obviously knowing steve and then um looking on in his pod on his um live streams on tiktok i sometimes got little hints of things which most of the other guys weren't getting so it was quite lucky really but um but it was great and it was very much a real big in anticipation for the event leading up to it and um <clears throat> so it came to the actual event itself Went down on the Friday um, and sort of had a quick sort of freeze around the actual trench itself. Ma amazing system, absolutely amazing. And it was really, really in-depth and looked awesome. Um, and then as people were arriving, I was helped checking people in um, and got to see a few people I hadn't seen for a while, which was great. And uh, it was originally supposed to be in um, uh, the other one of the other sections, End up getting changed to uh, two section, um, <laughs> the best section. Yeah, yeah, the best section. <laughs> yeah, the best section. <laughs> um, yeah, due to um, numbers wise, because um, some people had to drop out due to COVID, etc., um, which was a shame, <clears throat> and and work uh, requirements and all that sort of stuff. But that's just how how life is really. Sometimes it gets in the way. But yeah, and then we went, we got all kitted up, etc., and then. <clears throat> we went into the uh, our our trench line in when it was dark and about sort of eight uh, eight nine o'clock went in all our sort of kit on carrying other extra equipment in the line it was it was hard work let me tell you me and Steve were quite struggling get on getting up to the line that was a bit of a <laughs> that was a bit of a ball lake really because it was all our own equipment large packs all that sort of stuff extra like, blankets and goodness what else ammunition etc and then we had like a me and Steve, for example, had like a box each to carry with like all the other stuff in as well, up basically like across rough ground over like this up this like slight slope up to where we had to go into the line, and it was just yeah, it killed me. It really, really did. And we had this we had to get up this ladder basically, which put us into like the um, the level ground where the actual trench is itself. So that that was a, that was a task in itself. But um, we got in. We and we um, <clears throat> I think the uh into the sort of the rear line section of trench and we then took off our large packs I think at that point I'm just trying to remember we went straight into the front line I'm trying to remember exactly what we did first but we basically after we got into the into the um, line 
um, we immediately got into like a like a brief firefight with the Germans who were on the other side, and that was that was crazy. We're in there and we get stuck in very very quickly, and there was just flashes and everything. The Vickers machine gun, which was supporting us, was going off. The Lewis gun was going off, and it was it was absolutely awesome. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and then we sort of went into the, the rotation of the sections. So I think one section had the first little stint um in in the front line i think as far as i remember and they had quite a bit of a firefight really for the first night and then when we replaced them later we we had quite a quiet quiet section for us really and it, that was sort of like the theme really for the first night really it was like one section gets all the gets all the fun really and we get all like the quietness really but um <laughs> but it, it was it was awesome and it was it was it was such a strange thing to sort of try and cope you've got to move around in the dark um this began like the uh, tiredness as well because when we went to the rear line, um, we only got maybe like an hour and a half, maybe two hours if we're lucky sleep, um, and even that it was quite broken as well, um, and yeah, it was very sort of trying to sort of think on your feet kind of thing, um, and then that sort of brought us into the day, um, going forward and mostly we I think we were the we were the ones who were in the front line when it came in when it started getting light. Um, and then we were there for stand two as well. So we were waiting for quite a while before we got to go back again. Mm. And that, that was an experience. And uh, I, I remember, I think it was during that, um, I think it was during that one where me and Steve were in the SAP. That was the first night, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was first night yeah. we were at the SAP. And we had that <clears> famous <throat> cup of tea brought to us. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, crikey. Yeah, because right, we, we'd had a, um, our first cup of tea sort of thing um while we're in the rear line and then i think when in one of our stints in the front line as well which was which was not too bad and then it was a bank about oh god maybe three or four o'clock in the morning we had a cup of tea brought to us each which um i can only describe as um well it it could take the barnacles off a ship basically <laughs> it, it was it was so strong it was basically like tea leaf just a block of tea leaves and water it was it was insane, and very much thank you to Simon Rifleman Moore who made that tea. Um, very much appreciated for that. That was uh, it was it was it was lovely and warm. Don't get me wrong, but Christ, it was it was strong. Um, what what the thing I remember the most is though is um, so Rob Thrush, who was our captain, uh, came up and saw me and Steve in the sap to see how we were getting on. And I said, would you like some tea, sir? And he thought the same. He just, his first reaction was Christ. Um, <clears throat> so that was quite funny. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was an experience. And uh, <laughs> not only when I tried to get rid of what was left in the thing, I accidentally covered tea leaves and water. Yeah, um, thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. That's one way, yeah, of, you're uh, one, way, one way of warming up. But yeah, I think, I think from the Friday night, the one, one takeaway sort of, uh, sort of uh, memory I've mm. got is just how, how much chaos and confusion reigned yeah. when the guys moved into the line because I mean it was different for me because I, I knew the complete layout of the trench I'd been there a couple of times before but you know everyone else had, had gone into the trench system they didn't know which way the front line actually was it was completely pitch black and then there was just yeah. like flashes of like the Vickers gun going off and you know the odd flare going up as well which was like a lot of people just didn't expect that because I know you alluded to it earlier about my TikTok lives where I spilt the beans saying that there'd be a German enemy there because yeah. my uh, tongue was working faster <laughs> than my brain as usual. <laughs> um, it was very much a case of like, the guys were like, Who, who's actually firing at us? And, and uh, the officer was like, well, well, Ramsey was saying, well, it's, it's the Germans, isn't it? You know, obviously they're across no man's land. And people were like, oh, there's actually an enemy. Oh, right. Okay. And it, it kind of got a, a lot more serious at that point. Uh, it really, really did. So <clears> it was, it was good, but it's, yeah, very much proves the point, as we always say, and whenever you speak to veterans as well, obviously from, you know, later conflicts, not necessarily the First World War. Uh, but if you look at, obviously, archive footage and listen to bits and bobs, they say the same, but it's very much like 90 to 95% of the time is boredom and doing nothing. It's yeah. horrible waiting. And then yeah. the other five or even 10% of the time is, um, you know, an actual, actual firefight, really. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it definitely was. It seems, I had a sort of think of like, maybe like um, the Germans weren't a fan of one section. So they just gave us like a nice, uh, <laughs> gave us a nice bit of peace and quiet. But a bit that I remember, like I know it was, um, it was our stint on the Saturday, I think it was, um, and it was still fairly early in the morning. I know one section just come off the line, and then we got into a sing song, 
with the Germans, didn't we? And it was oh yeah, and oh, that, was, that was probably one of the one of the best bits I remember. That was that was absolutely hilarious and brilliant because of course um, our maestro Pete <coughs> uh, sort of leading proceedings. Yeah, Adam was out from Armentier, of course, being uh, his number one favourite. That that was exceptional. That was, and you know, the Germans were singing back to us in German. Yeah, and, you know, that was quite a surreal moment. But obviously, there's loads of evidence of that happening. Yeah, all over the Western Front at various points throughout the First World War. So that was, yeah. that was really cool. Is that layer of authenticity it was just spontaneous in that sense. Yeah, but, it, was, uh, it was. It was great. Because um, definitely cause, worth, yeah. definitely worth mentioning. Sorry, just before we move on to yeah, what no. we'll talk about Saturday on on Friday night, mm. we um we uh, it wasn't our section, was it? It was it was uh, one section. We're given yeah, yeah. Uh, orders to go and do a reconnaissance of uh, no man's land because you know we're, yeah, we're playing yeah, this sort of yeah. uh, section moving into into uh, the front line the officer doesn't know the lay of the land so we'll send a recce party out find out how far the German front line is away and you know the recce party went out and then mm. um, they came back and from all accounts they couldn't actually find the German well they didn't find the German front line they they thought the front line was a lot closer um, than it actually was um, they'd only gone out about 15 to 20 feet whereas in reality it was about 50 feet away Mm. Um, and that was obviously in the pitch black with like flares going up and all that. And the amount of noise that they were making as well, like we could hear them in our front line, but they obviously were trying their best to be quiet. But we were working with, uh, you know, it was the trenches were actually dug into chalk. So it's all rocky and it, it makes a lot of noise when you move around as well. So um, it was it was a really interesting little um, opportunity for those guys to get, you know, that enhanced sort of flavour of what, you know, being out on a uh, sort of, you know, recce party would have been like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely remember that. It was it was crazy because, as he obviously we'd come into the rear line trench and it was um, yeah, it was it was strange because you could you could hear them moving etc. And then you could hear sort of the Germans speaking as well at some points, and it was it was great because the the guys who did who, who were playing the Germans would did a really great job. They really really did. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they were having conversations in German and that as well. So that was it was it was great. Um, but yeah, and then the, when the flares went up, it was such a strange thing. And the flares went up like it's yeah it, it really it it really creates the scene kind of thing and um yeah it definitely was yeah it was brilliant it was definitely a strange night um quite a uh, assault on the senses really it really was yeah, assault on the senses yeah it's probably the best way of putting it but you're rapidly sort of normalized to your surroundings mm, definitely. And, and kind of what's what's going on um it was yeah, it's just really interesting. I mean, having like the, the Section Five higher as well, that flares going off, an actual German enemy. It was, it was, it was as close as you could get to the real thing. You know, as I say, without you know, thankfully, any bullets or, or artillery coming our way. It was mm. such an amazing um, night. The Friday was. It was fantastic. So, as Jake was saying earlier, we uh, our section, I should say, two section, we had the sort of um, unfortunate luck of being stuck in the front line from pretty much midnight. On, uh, on sort of Friday into the wee small hours of Saturday. So we watched the sun come up, um, Jake and I. It sounds quite romantic, doesn't it, sitting in the forward oh, side watching the beautiful. sun come up. <laughs> With some very strange squelching noises as well, if my memory serves me well. Yes, <laughs> In fact, it's worth picking up on that point before we move on to onto the sort of Saturday, because, <clears> you know, when we were sat in the sat, we, we kept having that feeling of, you know, seeing things. And, and did, did mm. we just see hear that, or did you just see that? And it's like, <clears> no, it's just... Your eyes and your ears playing tricks on you. Definitely, yeah, especially that, always... especially that tree that was out in the middle of that weird, like stick tree, which looked like someone standing up. It was really weird. Yeah, it did look very strange in the uh, morning light as sort of uh, dawn dawn was breaking. But we we stood too, didn't we, on the on the on the Saturday morning? Yeah. Um, so half an hour before sunrise until half an hour after sunrise, we mm. we stood too. And for anyone who doesn't know, basically we we the whole platoon is uh, stood too on the fire step. Um, bayonets fitted round at the chamber, etc. And um, it, it, the reason why the guys did it was because that was the point uh, in the morning or at night where attack was deemed to be uh, most likely. Uh, thankfully, no attack materialised. So two section finally got their reprieve and managed to go into the rear and um, go about sort of sorting themselves out, getting a bit of food on board, a little bit of a drink. Uh, but before we could do that, we had to send a, a ration party out to pick breakfast up. So uh, all the food was being prepared for us behind the lines as it would have been uh, during the first world war on the western front so on the on the saturday morning we had uh, we had porridge uh, with bread and jam so we brought that up uh, to, to the um, to the reserve line first of all and then moved it on through uh, to to the front lines the guys um, who were on, on the sort of fire step in two in uh, one section sorry 
Um, and then the guys in two section, uh, we made the most of our time, so we got a bit of bit of shut eye and a bit of a bit of a wash, bit of a freshen up. Um, and they very quickly noticed that all our kit was just covered in white chalk marks. Oh god, um, it was everywhere. <laughs> In fact, most of my kit, and I'm looking at it in my uh, kit room at the moment, it's still got white chalk marks on oh, it. Yeah. It's such a my, my boots are the know. worst at the moment. Like I've, I've tried thing them a bit, but I haven't really paid much attention to them, so they're still covered in chalk. <laughs> well, it adds to the authenticity, doesn't it? Oh, god, yeah, it looks brilliant. <laughs> so, if, in fact, picking up on that point, we were portraying the um, the second battalion Oxen books of the 52nd as they would have been in September 1916. So they were up in the Somme sector. So all the trenches on the Somme were dug into. Uh, chalk um, and the the venue we had the event at which was Hawthorne Trench that's actually dug into the Kent Downs which is the same sort of uh, chalk line that runs from Kent through the channel down onto the Somme so it was like hyper authentic in that sense Definitely it's really brilliant. good because contrary to popular belief you know all the trenches in the first world war, world war even weren't full of water and uh, it wasn't constant mud all the time you know the, mm. the first day of the Somme was notorious for being a, a boiling hot day yeah, we were, we were quite lucky with the weather, really, of the weekend as well. It was actually quite warm, mm. so, especially for September. It was great. Yeah, we were very lucky. It, were, it wasn't too warm, and it wasn't chucking it down either. So yeah. we were, yeah, we were, we were very lucky. But uh, yeah, the, the Saturday, um, it, it was it was really peaceful, wasn't it? Wasn't it? The it was in complete yeah, it contrast was, yeah. to the Friday. It was um, actually kind of we got as much <clears> sort of shut eye as we could. I remember. Uh, as soon as we got back into the into the trench about yes, reserve trenches in mm. around sort of lunchtime, mm. it would have been about eleven or twelve. We had um, our sort of iron we opened our iron ration, had some corned beef and some biscuits, and I, I brewed up um, a nice uh, sugary cup of tea because one of the lads in our section was looking and feeling quite uh, fatigued. So I did a nice um, sugary cup of tea on my trench uh, stove. Oh, that was lovely, that was. That was, oh, that, you liked the biscuits, really... didn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, the biscuits, but the, the tea and the biscuits were just perfect. And then, yeah, and then me and you shared that tin as well of the corned beef. And yeah, it, it mm. honestly, like I hadn't had corned beef in ages and it's actually not bad. It's actually quite good. So it is. It is nice in small doses. That's for oh, sure. Good, yeah, 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 def- definitely got that down. But yeah, no, no, the porridge as well early that morning was actually really, really hit the spot as well. So it wasn't too, because we had some jam, didn't we? So Oh, I, I love porridge with a bit of jamming. Yeah, that was nice. But uh, yeah, before we move on to uh, talking about the rest of Saturday and the Saturday evening's trench ride, it's time for a break. Here at the Young Contemptibles podcast, we are very honoured and proud to be sponsored by Quartermaster Stores, a UK business specialising in bespoke leatherwork, footwear and historical clothing for living historians. Whether you are an old hand or a complete beginner in the world of living history, there really is something for everyone. And what's even better is that listeners of this podcast are entitled to a 5% discount. Simply use the code QMCAST5, that's QMCAST5 at checkout when shopping on quartermaster-stores.com. Okay, welcome back to part two. Um, thank you to our sponsor. Um, now we're going to quickly talk about um, what happened really after lunch on the um, on the Saturday. So there was plans for a trench raid on the Saturday night uh, going into the Sunday morning. And um, Ramsey, who was our officer, so Ramsey Green, um, he was trying to organise this, etc. with uh, uh, quite a bulk of uh, one section and some of two section as well. Um, and that was while that was going on, uh, one section had come off the line and two sections were sort of split up. So a few of us went into the front line because it wasn't seen as sort of a uh, um, much of an activity point within the day. So um, Steve, Matt and um, our corporal, um, Bill, went up into the line and then the rest of us, I think me and Joe, were back in the rear line um, having a bit of kip really when um, they got bumped and uh, we only sort of caught part of it when me and Joe rushed to the front line without our kit and then we had to run back to get it. So it was a bit of a hilarious thing to do, really. Um, so, yeah, Steve's going to talk a little bit about that, really, because I was asleep for most of that. So, yeah. <laughs> Some things never change, huh? Um, Don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as, as Jack was saying, in essence, I was on the um, sort of fire step. We were just sat down having a chat about collections, really, because Ramsey was talking to us about some of the uh, fantastic items he's got in his collection. And just talking about, you know, things in general. 
And uh, if you know, to be honest, it was only um, only one guy actually keeping an eye on uh, no man's land because we all thought, ah, oh, no one's you know a bit of complacency crept in is probably the best way of saying it. We were all knackered as well, so we were all sat down. And um, it was uh, Matt Evans to give him his uh, to give him credit was actually sat looking through a trench periscope, and he said, "Oh, there's some movement out there." And Ramsey says, "Oh, you know what can you see?" And he said, "Well, there's there's one guy just moving along the tree line, coming towards us." And he says, "Oh, they're probably testing." Our defences. So he said, everyone put round at the chamber, and um, you know, get ready to you know give fire. Says wait for my order. So this guy started creeping a little bit closer on the right flank, just in the tree line. And you could tell we're kind of trying to trying to see if we were actually watching, if we were trying to keep us on our toes, I suppose. And uh, another guy popped up um, from on the left flank, and then another guy on the left flank, a little bit further back. And we thought, mm, this is getting a little bit interesting. And there was a total of four of us in the front line. Uh, so yeah, there's me, Matt. Bill and Ramsey and we thought hmm okay this could be quite interesting so they got within about 25 sort of yards of where we were and uh, we gave them a warning shot and then ducked back down and then the next thing we know is the whole what must have been the whole German platoon spills out the front line and then they're firing like absolute madheads running towards our front line taking cover and darting from um, shallow to shallow and then we sort of spread out along the front line, which is probably about um, probably about 35, 40 feet wide. Um, spread out, and we, we fired at one point, then ducking down and moving to another point to make it look like there's more of us. And uh, Ramsey kind of gave, you know, gave up the shout and, and said, rest of the platoon into the front line. So this is the point where Jake wakes up from his slumber, catching his 40 winks, <laughs> um, grabs his rifle and runs up to the front line, and all the other guys from uh, two section and one section do as well. And the vicar starts going off, giving us a bit of support. And, uh, yeah, it was literally just all, all hell was uh, breaking loose at that point. Uh, the guys all moved up to the front line. Some of the guys didn't have time to put the webbing on either, so they didn't have ammunition with them. So we're having to, you know, sort of divvy ammunition up amongst the guys who were in the reserve. Um, absolute, you know, chaos was genuinely reigning at this point. It was uh, total confusion. It was... Um, it was really authentic in that sense. It was, it was actually, dare I say, quite Brilliant. good fun, but it was quite... Um, it's just you couldn't plan that kind of thing. I mean, I'm an organizer, was an organizer of the event along with Pete Neil. We didn't know it was going to happen. The Germans just surprised us, and that was the kind of beauty of the event, shall we say? Um, next thing we know is um, the gas alarm starts going off. They've they've chucked a few uh, smoke grenades our way, um, so we're all having to put start putting our PH hoods on, and uh, we're still firing with them on, and you know we're hot anyway. Um, the oil pieces are steamed up, so you can't see very well. Um, some of the guys are just struggling to breathe because it's constrictive, and it was just abs- it was just absolute madness in those sort of. Uh, it, it must have felt like forty to forty-five minutes we were doing it, but in reality we were there for about seven or eight minutes. It was crazy. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. Was that the one? Was that the one where I think I, I got my equipment at that point? I know I was sort of um, forward of the sap kind of thing. I'm trying to remember if that was that point. That now. I, th- I think you were. I think you you came came up on onto the right flank and pushed forward a bit into the mm. sap. Yeah, because that's where they were pushing yeah. on to us. Yeah, because we had a, we had a team who went forward into the sap itself, like Joe mm-hmm. Bristol, um, Dom, and uh, Rob Thrush, and that they went forward, and Simon Moore as well. They went yeah. into the sap, and I was sort of covering their rear um, through this sort of uh, undercover bit, and I was laying down far over the top of them, and um, that that was absolutely brilliant. And that's when we had the uh, uh, Gascon go as well. That was uh, mm. it was it was absolutely it was absolutely awesome. And I, I had a couple of um, when the when they came back through the sap, they were saying. The, the sort of shot of me sort of over the head of them loosing rounds off because there were a couple of the uh, Germans trying to go through the tree line again. And they were saying it just looked awesome. And I, it, it was. And I think I think I, I started that action with 98 rounds. I left with 30. So it was, it, was, it was insane. It was it was it was absolutely awesome. So <laughs> it was one of the highlights of the weekend. And I say that because the highlight for me was what you alluded to earlier, the trench raid, which took place. Mm-hmm. On the on the Saturday night, so yeah. prior to um, that action on Saturday afternoon, Ramsey had started putting together his kind of dream team mm. uh, for the Saturday night's raid, which consisted of, and uh, we can actually announce his name as well now because we've had a freedom of information request uh, accepted. So mm. this is the stage where we can formally announce Corporal Comeuppance, <laughs> um, who who led the um, the trench raid um, on the on the Saturday night, obviously uh, under our uh, Lieutenant, uh, Ramsey Green. 
Uh, but yeah, his actions, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about them in, in greater detail. But mm. essentially, Corporal Comeuppance, for anyone who's uh, unsure, is uh, a doll that was made up as a, as a decoy. Um, and he was, he was called Corporal Comeuppance by uh, Don Blythe and Simon Moore. And um, how the trench raid was planned was we were going to put a decoy up on our right flank, which is where our forward sap was. So the sap is um, basically as far out as it is, is there's a big shell hole. Uh, which has been dug out, quite a deep shell hole. And from the British front line, a small tunnel's been dug out to that shell hole. So at night and in the evening, it's used as like a listening post. So the idea was to use that shell hole as a decoy. So we had the Lewis gun in there. Um, I was in there as a bomber. We had a few riflemen as well and Corporal Comeuppance. And the idea was the Vickers would start going off, the whistle would go, and on the right flank, you would have the, um, the Lewis gun going off. You would also have um, some bombs being thrown to illuminate no man's land. Um, you know, all hell would be breaking loose on our right flank and the Germans' left flank. However, at the same time, on our left flank, uh, approaching the Germans' right flank, was a small raiding party consisting of uh, four blokes. Um, if memory serves me well, we had Joe Bristol there as a bomber, uh, Ramsey as the officer, uh, Platoon Sergeant Neil, and also uh, Corporal Bridgman. And they were all in trench uh, sort of raiders' kits. They had, um, you know, the cap comforters on, their, their faces um, sort of, uh, you know, blacked up with uh, you know, soil and that sort of camouflage. Um, and they were in sort of light order, no webbing. And they were to go forward as quiet and as fast as possible, snatch a German out of the trench and bring him back for interrogation, which they, they were successful in doing. Uh, however, we did lose one dare I say, casualty and inverted sort of commerce, um, which was Corporal Bridgman. So it was already pre-planned that he was going to go home on the Saturday night, but this was, wasn't general knowledge to the rest of the platoon. So the other three guys returned to the trench with the German prisoner, but Bridgman was left out in no man's land. So he was brought in by a stretcher bearer party and um, he was he sort of evacuated to the rear of our lines. He played no further part in the event and the Lewis section were very... Um, sort of, and, and the rest of the guys, for that matter, are not not emotional, but a bit, a little bit, you know. Well, what's happened? Where's he gone? You know. And it was kind mm. of when the realization came in of, oh, you know, he's been wounded, he's got a blighter. It was a bit like, oh, you know, it kind of makes it quite realistic. Then you think, well, actually, you know, that would that would be a genuine thing that did happen. Yeah, it was, it was kind of sort of a sort of a, a little shock to the system, really, because there was just this hell that loose with the, the raid, and like. <clears throat> all up in the line and we're giving like covering fire when it all kicked off and then you got the shouting the screaming um when they when the uh raining party got the prisoner as well when they brought them back to the lines it was just it's constant hectic thing and it was in it was kind of weird because like you guys got the prisoner and yet it we i never saw him and yet there was this all this something oh, we got a prisoner and all this sort of it was really really it was really hectic and really sort of confused situation and then it says oh bridgman's been here and all this sort of cruel oh, christ what's going on um yeah, and it was just utter chaos. But at the same time, it's almost like not so organized, but like almost organized chaos, really. But it was it was so well done. It was brilliant. It it was total madness, and it was nice because that you know there were certain parts of the weekend which were planned, such as the you know trench raid, but then other parts that weren't, such as you know the German attack on the on the um, Saturday afternoon. But it was mm -hmm. nice to see that those planned parts come, you know, sort of to fruition really, um, because a lot of planning went in in that sense. And it just made it so worthwhile uh, for me and Pete just to see the guys, you know, enjoy it and, and kind of just get so much of an education from it. Because I think, yeah. I think I speak for everyone who goes on the event. Yes, it's, it's, you know, it's good fun. It's nice to see your mates and all that sort of stuff, but the over sort of arching aim and objective of the, of the trench, you know, event weekends are to provide, you know, an unparalleled experience for people really. It's something, you know, well, money can buy because obviously you can, can do the trench event, but it, it's totally unique in that sense and it's it very much is experimental archaeology i mean we learned so much as individuals but also as a team as well throughout the weekend and that trench raid if we ever you know do something along those lines again which i'm sure we will um you know we're armed with that knowledge we know what works what doesn't work and you start becoming like kind of veterans of the event and you think well mm. you know if guys were lucky enough to survive you know this for real then you can kind of have a bit of um well more than more than empathy for want of a better word of what they, you know, kind of went through. You, you just feel a little bit closer to them in a way. You have much, much better understanding. Yeah, no, definitely. Because, like, because I think as Steve sort of alluded to at the start of the um, episode, 
obviously this is World War One, obviously it's trenchmen, and there's not really much like it. Um, there's things like this for World War Two, so like the Monty's Men trips, etc. But you, <clears throat> for say World War One, there's nothing really much like this, um, and you want to f- have a sense of what it was like for these guys in say a trench. In say, for example, like we did in 1916, and it's it gives you some inkling of like what these guys experience, and just to bridge the gap between then and now is is something which is much needed and um, very much something you'll remember. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, and it's it's it was such a great event, and then and then obviously with the with the raid we did on the Saturday, and it it, it just whole atmosphere and the sort of crescendo of everything going off flares the and then it was it was great at one point because i think it was during that night as well after the after the raid um when we were sort of in we were in the line uh and then you had distance i think it was um a firework display i think it was in the distance was you could just hear it in the and it was like it sounded like artillery in the distance it was really really the whole atmosphere was just brilliant and it was quite funny because <laughs> One section were talking a lot in the rear line, and when that's when that sort of started in the distance, they sort of went quiet, which I thought was quite hilarious. I think, mm. um, and it was just like this is just amazing. It was just really really cool. Um, and then yeah, the going into the Sunday morning, um, just that when light when light came on again, it was just like and we were um, we were in the front line again uh, going into the morning, um, and there was talk of a um, going over the top and like a full attack. For, for for two section, and you sort of think, Christ, this is this is sort of what it would be like for these guys. Like you, it's early light, and you you got plans. You're going over. It's like, what will happen if, especially if it's your first time doing it? Like, what's going to happen? How what, how am I going to cope? How am I going to um, do my job, etc. And it's just it's it's all these things are going through your head, and obviously taking the fact like you're tired, you're sleep deprived, you're hungry. Um, and, and at some points as well, you're cold because if it's a clear night, even if it's been hot during the day, the temperature is going to plummet and you're just trying to keep warm. You're trying to keep moving really at the same time. But at the same time, you've got to do your job. You've got to stay in a position for a certain amount of um, how long and see if the Germans coming over or what the hell is happening. And um, so, yeah, so there was for going into the Sunday where there was this planned attack for two sections to go over and basically do as much damage as possible really um and it was really, really it was awesome and then uh, ramsey our lieutenant was going to lead it um me and uh joe bristol were going to be a sort of like his right hand left right and left hand men while the uh the, uh, the other guys in the section were going to cover in the rear and it was just it was awesome and as we we're going into it um it was the whole build-up for it and literally right before we were about to go over and um, the attack got cancelled so it was sort of like this sort of build up of adrenaline and then just massive like crash. So it was like obviously it was planned, but it was it was it was so it was just the whole feeling of it was quite was brilliant really. And then um, and then we went into the Sunday and it was it just yeah and it was brilliant. I don't know if Steve wants to elaborate a bit more on that. Absolutely, it was really interesting because that kind of authentic um, feeling of impending doom was really sort of approaching for the Sunday morning where you know we were going to go over the top. And it was going to be, you know, we're going to attack the German trenches. Yeah, we know it's not obviously real. It's not real ammunition, etc. But, you know, that genuine, authentic feeling of like, you know, actually, we're going over the, over the top tomorrow. We're going into the unknown. You know, we've not seen this place before. It was really authentic in that sense. But then by the same token, incredibly authentic for, you know, the attack to be sort of pulled at the last minute. And the, the reason why it was is there was intelligence from the captured German prisoner from the Saturday night, which basically said, actually there's going to be a German attack um, on the Sunday. So we thought, ah, okay, that changes things a little bit, doesn't it? So as soon as that came to light, we doubled, well, I say we, the officer ordered for our sentries to be doubled on the front line. So typically in the daytime, you have a weakened sentry because you have better visibility, uh, you know, per se than the nighttime. So we had more guys on the fire step and it was um, sort of deemed appropriate that we were going to do some sort of uh, on, on the job training, really and uh, learn how to, um, or sort of reinforce that training, I should say, of how to clear um, trenches. Because we thought, if the Germans are launching an attack, we're probably going to have to give ground or they're going to get into our trenches. And, you know, with a modern safety hat on, we don't want to be firing blanks at, uh, you know, close distances, etc. 
Um, so we thought well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll go through a bit of on-the-job training and we'll um, you know, learn how to clear as a section the, um, the actual trench. And as we were doing this, uh, you know, the shout went up from the front line and all hell broke loose. Uh, this was probably about sort of uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, half 10 on the Sunday. So we were all ordered up to the front line and the full German attack was coming. Uh, there mm. must have been about 15 of them, uh, but they also had an MG08 <coughs> as well. So it, yeah, was... it was brilliant because it was quite funny because um, we were going through our little practicing, as you said, with with um, Rams Green, our lieutenant, about how to sort of go through sort of the communication trench to try and retake the front line. Um, and I think you were in the middle of trying to take a photograph as well. Um, <laughs> yes. And the, what we, the time we were told the Germans would probably attack, um what they attacked earlier than we expected and it was like oh christ let's all go and um i didn't like <laughs> most, i think the only guy in our section who had his webbing on was joe and so we all literally just went into um doing what we were doing what we were taught so moving back well actually we didn't even do the moving back thing we just went assault and tried to retake mm. this the, the front trench the uh, front line trench and push them back so we all went in all the rest of us just like like all went through the 10 rounds we had in our rifles and then we're sort of borrowing rounds from joe which was just hilarious and then one by one we went back to grab our webbing and then we got into the front line and then gave it hell really and it was just this sort of the whole unpreparedness was just like oh snap christ we'd get better get into this and it was it was absolutely amazing absolutely absolutely amazing and um the whole sort of finale of it we managed to push the germans back and they yeah, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. And then the sort of lull went into the battle, went into the fighting. Really, just this just calmness that went across. Like, oh god, what just happened? We've all expended a ridiculous amount of ammunition, and then it's just gone silent. It was yeah, it was very very strange, but brilliant at the same time. It was a real unique yeah. and sort of almost dare I say one off kind of event for that. Mm. And there's something I just just sprung to my memory from uh, the Saturday afternoon when we were sat in the rear. And the, um, the officers and, and, and the sergeant were going through, uh, talk about the plans for the planned trench raid for the Saturday night. And we heard this sort of low humming sound. And we thought, what's that? And it was oh, yeah. turned out to be a big biplane um, moving. Uh, like It looked like it was going to fall out of the sky, but it was only a couple of hundred feet up. And we were just looked up and we were like, what's that? And Pete there was like, it's a German biplane, you know, <laughs> fire. So we were all on our on blooming backs firing. <laughs> our rifles give an anti-aircraft fire at this biplane you know bless him whoever the pilot was must be thought what the hell's going on down there yeah, that was it, that was really good yeah because it was quite funny because most because obviously steve was really on that but most most of like two sections in the front line and um our um medical orderly uh jordan uh he who <laughs> sat there and like and he went, oh, I wonder if it's a biplane. And it was. We're like, oh, okay. We were, we, were, we were just staring at it going, oh, that looks interesting. And all the rest of the ones in the front line are going, fire at it, fire at it. <laughs> we're just sitting there going, oh, that looks pretty. <laughs> it's like something else that we've glazed over as well. <clears throat> it's definitely got to be mentioned because uh, I, know he, I know he's a bit of a legend, especially in the TikTok world at the minute, um, was a surprise visitor we had on the Saturday night. Oh, yes, indeed, yes. That was that was a nice surprise, and it definitely was a little bit of a pickup in morale as well. Nice mm. little uh, um, Dicky Townsend. Yeah, that, I mean, absolutely was a, it was a pickup on the old morale <laughs> front because we we were all absolutely knackered, uncomfortable, just not necessarily cold, but just just shattered, you know, nothing mm. really in the tank. And um, then you just see him, oh, hello, chaps, <laughs> you know, <And> it's <laughs> like, oh, fantastic, it's very really Dicky Townsley. So. Yeah. They had a good laugh with him and, you know, what a legend. But he came in the guise of being, um, you know, sort of medical officer as he, as he does so well, um, so often. Mm. And um, in fact, not not often enough, should we say, actually <laughs> running him down there. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic to see him. And he, uh, you know, came and said hello to everyone, did the rounds, inspected the, the trench and had a quick chat with the chaps, made, made sure they were okay. And, um, you know, he, he was kind of, he, he felt like five minutes he was there for when he was gone, but he was there for about an hour or hour and a half he was uh, mm. busy that weekend but it was it was awesome to see him and uh, yeah it was, it was great be there next year yeah because because he showed up and i was we were in the rear line at the time when he sort of showed up we both saw each other and we started immediately started singing time warp so <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't going to mention that but it was brilliant and yeah we had a, we had a good chat and then he came up to us in the front line when we were on our stag um mm. <clears throat> and we just had a good conversation for about 
because because he, he was he was meant to go a bit earlier, but he ended up staying for like an extra half an hour or an hour, um, and yeah. then he was supposed to just just chatting because he was got he had to be up early in the morning to um to do some work. So yeah, um, honestly, God bless him, really. Honestly, hopefully, hopefully he can make next year. Oh, definitely, that'd be brilliant. That'd be absolutely brilliant if he can. Fingers crossed. Yeah, because yeah, and, yeah, going into the Sunday morning, yeah, it really was a nice little perk just to have him come over and have a good chat. So that was great. But um, must I will say though, props to um, our captain um, hmm. Rob, uh, who um, who brought a nice little brew up to us in the front line, a mixture of uh, I think it was hot chocolate and camp coffee. Um, oh, that was that was a real pickup because it was getting cold that night. Um, yeah, and it, yeah, it was definitely. I'm just trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely well worth it because we we kept having to try and like keep warm as I said. Um, sharing like a blanket between a couple of us each time we went off um, when one of us was still up to keep watch etc so yeah that was a that was a real pickup that was definitely well worth it and um, it's yeah. always the little things isn't it no matter what time oh, God, period yeah. you do oh, God, you know yeah. if you're sat out doing a job like that and it's you know you're out of the elements you know like even with World War Two, you know you open up a Russian box and you have yourself a little mug of you know uh, tea or whatever it's just it's just the little things can really you know pick your morale up and just just push you through for that final third exactly exactly and um breakfast on the sunday morning was well and truly uh well wished for so um because we had uh, i think it was bacon and we had uh i think else was bacon sandwiches what else did we have i'm trying to remember now so it's bacon bread and cheese i think it was i think it was yeah that we had yeah but that, 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 was, that really really hit the spot and um, we, we got a little bit of helpful extra rashes, didn't we, as well, which was nice for a change. <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah. The stuff, um, um, one section's um, uh, food got sent up to them, there was still a bit left. We are like, oh, we'll have an extra bacon sandwich or two. That'd be nice. Well, so, you wouldn't want it to go to waste, would you? Oh, God, no, no, God, no, no. Waste not, want not, I say. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But it, well, I mean, like, from an organiser's perspective, it was, it was awesome that so many people bought into the idea and genuinely, you know, appreciated the event and took, really took some, um, you know, sort of lessons away from it and, and that kind of educational angle as well. It was just really, really good that people, you know, enjoyed it. Exactly. exactly. And it's sort of the whole thing about um, also when we had to have carrying parties throughout like the event itself to go and fetch water and go and mm. fetch the food, etc. It was like you had to get out the trench and go to the rear, obviously the rear line and then go through where we came through on the Friday night when we came up to the line. And it was, it was a bit of a hog because you had to take all this stuff down a hill and up a hill, et cetera, and get it all up a ladder. And it, and it, and it really it really did sort of take you out of it. And I know I know coming back on the, on the um, I, think it was, I think it was the Sunday when it went down again to pick up the food, I came back and it, for some reason, I think the heat, because it got really, really warm at one point on the Sunday. Um, and it really, really hit me. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I had to take a few minutes, a little while out just to get some water on and that. Um, I think that was sort of the same for a couple of us as well. Because obviously you're yeah. wearing wool on that, and it's like, oh Jesus! <laughs> um, and, it, and it's very much fatigue as well. You know, God, oh, God, it doesn't yeah. matter what sort of you know scenario in you know mm, with yeah. sleep deprivation as well. Exactly, it's very exactly. much a case you've got to look after yourself because otherwise, you know, blokes will go down. You know, exactly, exactly. And like, like you're and you're you're getting on fluid, but not at a rate you really should be doing, especially for that sort of work. Mm. Um, like not just like water, but tea and goodness what else, and also food. So it it definitely takes it out of you, and you really learn like Christ. These guys were doing it for longer periods; they were going further distances, depending on. And obviously, it'd be different, more difficult because with with the trench system we had, obviously, it's it's not obviously um, life size in the way of like a large section of say a company or even like a battalion size um, unit will be in, and obviously you'll have to go much much further to the rear line, and obviously to not just say the reserve trenches or even the ones behind you have to go a lot further say to get to say certain things and um depending it was on water parties as well that might have to come up from even further back um yeah it's it's you really learn like christ you have to get all this stuff through um people maybe come the other way or etc and yeah it's 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 hard work it's really really hard work and it gives you a, gives you a real sense of respect for the guys who really did it that's one of the main takeaway sort of um little snippets of information i had for the for the weekend was you know massive newfound respect for the for the guys who went through that we did 48 hours you know they were doing between four and ten days at a time 
mm. in the front line. And, you know, 48 mm. hours was definitely enough for me. It was enough, I think, for, oh, God, for yeah. which everyone who did the event. It's it's a horrible way of, of living. You know, you are living rough in the trench. You, wear, you, you can't have a shower. You ain't got a comfortable bed. You know, you look mm. even if you can find somewhere to sleep, mm. really. Mm. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's not a nice way of existing. That's for sure. It makes you think you'd really take for granted the sort of luxuries we have today. And I think especially because, like, because obviously with the event, it played havoc with your back. So, mm. and I think other guys had trouble as well. I think my feet were going bad as well. Um, everyone had little troubles here and there. And you sort of think, Christ, how do these guys do it? But you sort of realise, like, mm. a lot of the guys who did it, a lot harder men, I would say, back in their day kind of thing. Um, jobs are much more manual. Also, depending on the class you came from, because a lot of guys who sort of sign up were from, say, the middle class or the uh, lower or up, even upper middle class, really. But there, it was a different kind of lifestyle back then. It absolutely was. Um, you know, it's all about conditioning as well, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, a lot of us are just used to sitting down, you know, as modern people, just behind a desk on a, on a computer, and that's our, our daily job. Whereas a lot of people back then, you know, they worked in offices, they had to move around, contact people and work in fields, you know, factories, mm-hmm. etc. So, you know, very, very hard people, but they're certainly people of the time, you know, it's all relative in that sense. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, and it all came to sort of a head. We, um, there were some plans for some other things during the Sunday, but uh, sadly they are to end, which was a bit of a shame. Yeah, and it was an absolutely brilliant event and um, there's going to be stuff in the future as well. So uh, I don't know if Steve wants to allude to a little snippet of what might be happening in the future. Um, I'll allude to it. I'm not going to go into too much detail yeah, because we, we haven't gone public yet. However, I will say that there is going to be a 48-hour World War One event next year in 2022. It is going to happen. Um, we're going to be portraying infantry of the spring offensive, so 1918. And uh, I think that's about it, really. So I think for anyone who's listening, is thinking, oh, actually, I might want to get involved with this. If you keep an eye on uh, Living History UK Facebook page and, and TikTok, you'll be among the first first to hear. Exactly. And I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it myself. We've already got a few people who are definitely up for coming as well. Um, and as I said, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. So it's going to be absolutely brilliant. So, guys, I really hope you've enjoyed listening to episode five of this podcast. Um, join us next time. But uh, as we all say, like, if you want to follow us on our um, different out- outputs, uh, say on uh, Facebook and uh, TikTok, etc., the links will be down below. If you want to um, donate, that'd be really, really great. We've already had some people donate to us um, via like the PayPal. Um, and it's, it's a real big help. It really helps us uh, do the production for this and helps pay for the equipment, et cetera. And um, yeah, and it really shows us like maybe we're doing something okay. So yeah, really, really appreciate it, guys. So it's bye for me. And it's bye from me.